Welcome, my friends, to Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about the peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up from them. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, and by the end of the show, we're going to find our sweet spot. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, and how are you doing? want to welcome you to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today, we're going to bring on Michael Davis, who is a speaker. Uh, he's a Toastmaster. He does so much in terms of making sure that we know our stories and the power of the stories. And he has a, a little practice called Speaking CPR. So how are you doing today, Michael? I'm doing well. Now, I know this will be aired in the future. Which episode will this be? Oh, I have no idea which R- number. Roughly, okay. Uh, yeah. well, I was going to say, you could feel, here's guest number 107, because there will never be another 107. I could be special. That Well, that is true. You you are special. Yeah. So uh, that, <laughs> I appreciate that. That. <laughs> that, that, is, that is definitely a way to, to do that. Uh, so maybe I'll have to think about that. You know, it's one of those things. I'm always tripping over the past few episodes, just tripping over you know, hey, how you doing? Because, you know, each person, I want to give something special. I don't want to be like, hey, here's our next guest, next guest blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I really honor the time that you invest in, in being on the show. And I want to make sure that we, we give you the right respect uh, as you come on. Everybody get, comes on and, and shares their, their knowledge or story. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's interesting that we're talking about this because as a presentation skills and public speaking trainer and consultant, I'm always reminded that we have to work hard to put the right words together in our speeches or our presentations. But when it comes down to it, if we when we start talking, we talk very differently than we write. And I'm constantly telling folks, you've got to get this speech written first because you want to get all your ideas out. And, but then it has to evolve. It has to evolve into a more conversational state. And there are so many sentences and, and phrases we use that when you look at them and analyze, it's like, why did I say that? It makes no sense. And that's why it's, it's an evolutionary process. Well, that's the difference between writing and speaking, right? So yes. writing is very analytical, but no matter how you use your, your speeches, yes, you can talk about an analytical subject, but it's still the human person who's doing it. Uh, you know, nobody likes those presentations where it's all written a- analytical. You want to hear some life, life into anything that you do and you speak. Kind of your CPR, right? Make sure yeah, there's absolutely. life into it. Exactly. And this is why, and I know we may be jumping around a little bit if you're fine with that. Yep. People ask me, how do I memorize my speech? And I say, yeah, don't memorize your speech. This was a mistake I made the first seven years I was involved in speaking through Toastmasters, if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Memorization is you are memorizing word for word what you wanted to say, which is typically written and it doesn't sound conversational and it's not your authentic voice. When I say a speech or a, a story evolves, you get the idea down, then you start practicing and your natural voice will start to come out with each iteration. Mm-hmm. The 15th and the 30th and the 50th version should never be what the first one was. Right. What to your point written sounds too technical too analytical, and that's not how we converse and audiences today more than ever want authenticity. They want the real person and you're going to make some mistakes. It's okay. But just, 
let it evolve over time. Every version should be a little bit different, but that's why you don't want to memorize. We call it uh, the better ways to internalize. Internalize mm -hmm. is knowing the flow of ideas, not every single word. Yeah, no, that's exactly, uh, as we were just talking about earlier, that was one of the things about uh, with uh, the TEDx talk that I gave. The memorization I had trouble with. Uh, I then got the memorization, but then you, you get, I woke up that morning and the emotional piece, the, the human piece was like, oh my God, this is, this is the day. And, you know, what do you do with it? Uh, so, you, you know, so you have all these different pieces uh, of holy wow uh, and, and excitement. And that's why if you practice it as a human, not a, 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 as that rote memorization person, uh, it becomes a different experience. Well, public speaking reminds me of that now famous quote by Mike Tyson, who said, every plan uh, sounds good until you get hit in the face. <laughs> right? Same thing happens with speaking. And it's why you have to know the flow of ideas so well that you don't have to think about it. Right. I've coached many TEDx speakers. And the last one that we did in my hometown of Cincinnati, there were a lot of technical problems. And speakers had to adjust on the fly to sound issues. And if, I could tell which ones hadn't practiced and which had. Yeah. And I know the, the premise here is bring your bat. If you're talking baseball, if you're talking football, any sport, you have to be ready to pivot. And the only way you can do that effectively is if you know the basics so well, you don't have to think about them. They're just automatic. Same with the speech. Right. And that's what the practice is all about. Uh, so, you know, in terms of football, I talk about this often is the rookie at the end of the year might say the game is moving too fast. And then by the end of the season, through the practice and the right practice and that new level becomes the game isn't moving as fast. You still might not be as good. That's where talent starts uh, showing. Right. Uh, but the the ability to do it, and that's the re that repetition, and that's that consistency where you do, if you know your speech, you should know your speech. It could be different. And that's why people have said to me, you know, I've heard that speech before, but you've done it differently. I go, good. I go, did it make you more interested this time? Yeah, it did. Great. Again, your example of that first uh, example of having a speech shouldn't be the same thing as that, that 10th or 15th or 50th uh, as you're practicing for a big speech like a TEDx or any other big keynote speech. And the best part of that feedback, David, is I'm not sure what you did. That tells me you're subtly making changes and the same audience isn't hearing you every time you practice. But by the time, let's say somebody hear, hears the fourth iteration and the 15th, well, you've made changes, but they're not so different that you've completely ruined the message. Right. It's just evolving and it's getting tighter and more enjoyable for you to present because your natural voice is coming out a little bit more every time. Right. And, and that's the biggest key is, is that authenticity, right? So no matter what you, what we want to do, we always want to make sure that our most authentic self is out there. And because that it's one of those things when you teach your kids, don't lie. Guess what? If you're your most authentic self, and then you don't have to be like, Oh, I was around somebody different when I was around Michael. And then when I was around Dave, you know, I was this way. If I'm the, the same person, good or different or good, bad or indifferent, it doesn't matter. It's interesting you say that because one of the tools that I recommend for clients is to record themselves. Now, once we get past the, oh, I hate seeing myself and listening, it's like, look, trust me, it's the fastest way. When you watch yourself ask the question, is that how I normally talk? Is that how I normally am? 
you know, intuitively, if you mm-hmm. look like you're trying to be a speaker versus a communicator. Yeah, exactly. So you, and that's that authenticity to, and you have to be honest with yourself. That's the biggest part of authenticity. Uh, and so what's one of those things that for you, uh, how do you make sure that you show up as your most authentic self? Because that's not always natural, you know, at the beginning. I mean, you've, you've progressed and you've grown from where you first started. Yeah. In my everyday life, I, I have a pretty good sense of humor. People tell me I'm funny. I've surrounded myself with humor most of my life. So I've trained myself to look for it and I'm a little sarcastic. Some people might say a lot. I don't know. As if (laughs) proving my point. Now, when I watch myself, if I don't see the humor coming through or hear it, I know that I'm too much in my head and I'm thinking too much about the speech. I, I have had a lot of improv training. So I know I can, I'll get thoughts in my brain when I'm in the moment. Well, they'll pop out of me and it's relevant to the point I'm trying to make. It's relevant to that audience. If I'm not seeing that, I know I'm still too early in the creation and internalization stage. And I know I'm not authentic yet. Yep. No, I, I, I agree because that's how, that's why when I, uh, ask for some notes before we, we have we record these episodes. I'm just like, just give me something uh, because we don't run it, it in. Because I always want to hear the one story, and I want to hear the story from you. I no matter how much I can research, I'm not going to know really any of the stories, you know that uh, that will make make you you and, and why we want you on. Yeah, and I, th- it's really important that we. Well, let me step back. When it comes to storytelling, we cannot see the power of our own stories. Mm-hmm. We can't. We're too close to them. We don't see the the, the gift that we have to offer others. Because I think the greatest gift we give audiences is hope. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it doesn't have to be hope that, oh, my gosh, I'm going to change my life dramatically. It might be, look, you're in the middle of a real tough stretch with your sales. I'm going to help you have the hope that you can get through it because all great salespeople do. It might be something like that. It could be somebody, it could be serious. You know, somebody has gone through a divorce. Look, I promise you life gets better when the divorce is in the past. That's our job. Well, our stories are what help sell that message, but we can't see it because we lived it. Yeah, no, when you can't see, I mean, that's the forest from the trees analogy. When you, when you're in the middle of right next to a tree, you can't see that you're in a forest and, and give yourself that perspective. So how do you give yourself that perspective uh, for yourself? I ask somebody else to give me feedback on my stories and, and speeches. And uh, as, as a trainer and consultant, you would expect me to say that, get help from someone else. I'm not saying go out and hire a, a consultant or a trainer, but get somebody to listen to your story whose input you trust. Mm. Could be another speaker, could be a sales professional, a manager, a company leader, someone who will give you relevant and honest feedback, not heavy critique or criticism. Criticism doesn't help. It just makes you feel bad. Right. And I'm not all about touchy feely either, but you've got to have somebody who gives you constructive feedback to say, Hey, first of all, let me tell you what you're doing well, because if you don't hear that, you may be doing some things really well in your communication, but if nobody's telling you, hey, that's work, that resonates with me, that works, you'll stop doing it and you'll try something else. That's human nature. After you know you've got the foundation of what you're doing well, then ask, all right, where can I improve? 
What doesn't make sense to you? What's not resonating? What's confusing? But it has to be someone else. It is very difficult. And I do this for a living and I have for 11 years now. It's impossible to evaluate ourselves because we look at every aspect of our story and our speeches as equal. Somebody else needs to come in and say, yeah, you know, parts A and B, those were great. They resonated with me. But see, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> We've got it. Lit. And we have to be willing to hear that feedback also. It's not an attack on us. It's just on our communication in that particular moment. And we need to get that clarity. Yeah, that, that's a, a huge, no matter what we do, is not taking things as personal. Uh, and, you know, really, so I know you had mentioned Toastmasters, right? The sandwich uh, uh, type of critique is really amazing because what you do is you give, you know, the really nice, oh, you, you, you look great, you presented great, and then the, the, the less part, you know, the, the area of improvement. And that's what people, as long as you do it kindly and you create that safe space, we all could do that and we all should do that, not only in terms of speaking but in our lives. You know, if something's not going right, you might not be aware of it. But, you know, because, because it's, again, forest from the trees. But by having that other person that you feel safe with talk to you about it, that becomes all the difference. Absolutely. And just think about the closest relationship most of us have is with our spouses or life partners. It's real easy when you live with somebody day after day to get annoyed and say, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. Well, yeah, I might get it off your chest, but that's not going to help the relationship. Rather might start with saying, you know, there, you know, there are four or five things here. I love about you. You do so well. Now, with that in mind, there's this one thing, if maybe we could talk about that, <laughs> makes it a lot better conversation than coming out with guns blazing. Right. It, it, it's all about the approach, and that's why I always say you have to recalibrate how we speak. So, you know, what I'm hearing from you, that active listening piece, really becomes uh, very valuable. Absolutely. And that is one of the most important roles a speaker has, and it sounds like a contradiction, uh, but the best speakers are the best listeners. Mm. They listen to the meeting planners, the organizers who bring them in to find out what uh, what's a problem that your organization is having. Why are you bringing me in? Uh, how will you know that this speech has been a success or this sales presentation, whatever your role? And also listening to the audience while you speak, which goes back to what we talked about earlier, being prepared, not memorized, but internalized so that you're in the moment you can sense whether it's online or in person if you've got the audience's attention or if you're losing them and if you're losing them you've got to change right there that's good listening and that's what the best speakers are able to do right it, it, it's you know i go with those ebbs and flows and, and things like that it's part of the great part of st storytelling right is you know giving you those that, that left turn when you're expecting a right turn and, but also to keep the attention and hearing exactly and making sure that the other people hear it as well. So it's, it's because it's never about us. It's always about the audience or a client when you're working with a client. It should be. Uh, yep. That had to be the easiest way to go. Um, so you, you had mentioned that you would, uh, you would, uh, I guess, uh, change, you transitioned out of, uh, a day job to doing this uh, full time, which is uh, amazing. And congratulations on that because you said oh, you've been doing this for over 10 years. I think you said 11 years. Correct. Uh, so, uh, which is awesome. Uh, how'd you do that? Uh, you know, a lot of times we, you know, how did, how'd you overcome your fear uh, of doing that? 
Well, it goes back to, to for me to 1994. I was a certified financial planner, and I part of my job, David, was to go out and give retirement planning workshops in our city. Well, one October morning, my boss called me into his office, and before I could even sit down, he handed me this stack of papers and said, "Look at these." I started to thumb through them, and I thought, "Oh, well, these are the evaluations for my last workshop." And the more I thumbed through, the worse it got. People had written phrases like, this guy never stands still. What is his point? Too much information. I feel like I've been hit by a fire uh, hose. It was just one after the other. And I finally said, well, Joe, should I keep reading? Is there anything good in here? And he said, oh, yeah, there, there's one. Keep reading. Go on, go on. So I flipped through, and there it was. <clears throat> Mike has nice hair. Hey. <laughs> I said, that's it. That's the only positive out of this. And yeah. So we talked a little bit further and he, he finally ended the conversation by saying, look, uh, one of the reasons we brought you in here is you told us you could do these presentations and get people coming through the door. Clearly you're not getting the job done. You either fix this or you're finished here. It's cut and dry. Yep. Yeah. So out of that, fear of losing my job i went called around asked some people and that led me to toastmasters and it was at toastmasters that i learned several important in, uh, insights about public speaking and the first was great speakers are not born they're made that was the first revelation i just thought you were born that way or you weren't i also along the way uncovered the fear that caused me to be such a poor speaker. It was an incident in first grade. I got humiliated in front of my class and that held me back for 25 years until my boss said, fix this or you're finished here. That fear became greater than the fear of standing in front of a group. Through Toastmasters, I got some practice and they call it systematic desensitization. You mm -hmm. do something so many times, you stop being afraid of it. That's what happened for me. And somewhere along the way, I discovered, yeah, I've got a talent for this. And also people were coming to me asking for help. And I thought, you know, I could probably turn this into a business. Mm -hmm. And I set a three-year plan in place in 2011, started this business. And I thought, I'm going to do this very part-time. But over the next three years, I'm going to create, a, turn this into a full-time business and ease out of financial planning. And seven years later... I did. So my three-year plan became seven in great uh, uh, deference to Mike Tyson's words. You know, it looked good. I took the first punch and it wasn't what I expected. So it, it took me a lot longer to get this business in place than I thought, but I just kept persisting. And this is what I think I should be doing. It's my calling to help people find their voice, get their stories out and impact the world. That's my calling more than financial planning ever was. Yeah, well, well, that's the great thing, and that tells you, you know, you're on the right path because when you find your calling, you got to kind of do it, uh, and, and that's really the, the greatness when you can do that, when, when you really allow yourself to find that greatness within and utilize it. You know, a lot of people go, well, I'm a great painter, but uh, I, I need to pay the bills, which is true. Uh, you know, you just got to make it happen. Uh, you know, it's not – it's easy. It's easier said than done. But uh, it, oh, absolutely. It, I mean, the last two years have created serious challenges at times. It's like, well, how am I going to keep this going? It happens to mm -hmm. every business. Yeah, 
you know, and, and being able to be that, but being consistent and keeping out your message and keeping out all the, you know, action and consistency. That's the way to go. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, um, really successful people have that secret sauce and, and your secret sauce was out of fear. Uh, but, but you've also, so the fear got you to take this next step. How have you continued to succeed? Right. It's not just, okay, I did it once. You're doing it year and year again, and that's what I want to highlight. I think it's what every successful entrepreneur goes through, David. Those We just talked about the ups and downs are never going away. Mm-hmm. I had this when I was in my 20s. I'm in my 50s now. I had this image that once you got successful, it was smooth sailing. <laughs> you just had it all in place. Oh my gosh, it's it's more chaotic than it ever was. And a lot of it, most of it, is the world around us we can't control. What we can control is how we handle those incidents and how do we how do we structure ourselves so it's all right, here's the action I need to take next. I firmly believe that all successful people make it because they're persistent with their actions. Not because they like to do things. Uh, There's a success, I don't like the word guru, but success expert out there named Darren Hardy. And one of the best ideas I ever learned about success was from him. He said, hey, you got to understand something. Successful people hate getting up early. They don't like working out. They don't like being disciplined any more than you do. They just have a purpose that helps them get through that. Mm -hmm. And if you know that purpose, it will help. I think you've got to know the, the, and I don't want to use the cliched why that Simon Sinek created. And I love the concept, but it's been overused. But really, we do have to have that deep-seated purpose that on days when you're struggling, so this is why I still do this. For me, it's simply, I know the fear of standing in front of people and being humiliated. It held me back for 25 years. Mm. I also know the power of having audiences come up to you and say, wow, I needed to hear your message today. I appreciate you. I appreciate what you did. So I know both of those. And I believe that each of us has that in us to get out there and impact lives. And you and I were talking even before we started, the great challenge of speaking, presenting, selling leadership is most of the time you're never going to know who you impacted. You well, have to go on pure faith that you're helping people. And, and, and you are. I know in your personal journey, your TEDx talk, you, you said people have directly reached out to you. I'd love to know how many people you've impacted positively who never reached out to you. I'll bet it's a huge number. Yeah, no, I, and, and that's the part that I always think whenever I, I go, I'm tired of hearing my story. You know, like... I, uh, you know, it, 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 it's great, but for me, it, is it becoming ego? And I always make sure that it's not ego-based. And then I'm like, okay, I know that I've been in rooms where people are like, wow, I needed to hear that today. And like, you know, exactly like what you said. And I'm like, okay, I know there's also a lot of people who would never, ever come up to somebody and say thank you for the, that speech. And that's why, you know, talking about it on, on this podcast, uh, you know, I don't know who's it. it it's, it's out there. And uh, the more people that are finding out about it, they're like, wow, that's pretty cool stuff that you're listening to. And, uh, you know, and our, my guests each have different takes on things. And we never know where that magic's going to happen, that magic spark. Uh, that's the thing about the butterfly. You know, it's that effect. You don't know where the, 
where it's going to fly to. No, you don't. And what you just said is so insightful, David. It reminds me of, uh, of something I heard Bruce Springsteen say once. He said, look, he'd been, a bit, he'd been singing for over 50 years. He said, I've got the same song I've been singing for half a century. But what keeps me going through that song and gives me power is there's somebody out there who's hearing it live for the first time. Mm. Whole new experience. And what we can do as speakers and leaders that musicians really don't have a lot of leeway here. Our stories, as we mentioned before, can evolve. You can tell it a little differently each time to keep it fresh for you. You can add in some dialogue, change a couple of details that don't impact the, the truth of the message Correct. or the impact of the story. So that's how we can keep it fresh. But never forget, there are people out there hearing you for the first time and to them, it's the, it's the original. We'll be back in a moment. This is John. And Mark Cronin from John's, John's Crazy, Crazy Socks. Socks. And we're interrupting to say, we hope you're enjoying this episode. But please, make sure to check out our show, The Spreading Happiness Podcast, another great show produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes are available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Join us on our new podcast as we continue our mission, Spreading Happiness. Thank you, folks. You're listening to Peace, Love, and Bring It Back with me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky. Yeah, that, that's true. And, you know, I, I've been to Les, Les Brown events and Tony Robbins. And even though you hear the same thing several times and you've heard it, you can watch it on video a million times, hearing it live is different. And then also they tell it differently. Right? It, it, it could be, and that's the beauty of not being the musician in that, you know, it's not lyrics. It, it's it's your story, so it's the same story. How you tell it differently, and depending on your mood, uh, how much uh, emphasis you you give into it, it's really powerful. Um, and I'm sure there were things that you've done that have brought power to you, uh, your Phoenix moments. And uh, you know, like I I talk a lot about the Phoenix moments, and everybody's like, oh, that's played out. And then when I start telling them about, well, it's in the Bible twice. It's it, it, it's uh, it's in most religions. It's in most. Uh, cultures and they're like, well, no, it isn't. And I go, well, in Greek, it's like this. In, in in Hebrew, it's like this. So it's not just a Catholicism. It's not Eastern philosophy. And then they're all, it, 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 and that's where you bite them in. How do you bring in people for each one of your talks? It's well, it's, it's doing the research, knowing who's in front of me, why they have me coming in, and just telling the stories I think will be relevant to those individuals with a key point that I want them to walk away with an actionable item. Uh, this is a big mistake. I see a lot of presenters make leaders or speakers is they speak and they often don't know why they're doing it. And we talked before about, we feel like we're always talking about us. Well, yes, we are talking about us, but this is one of the most brilliant pieces of wisdom I ever got from one of my friends, Mark Brown, a, a previous world champion speaker. He said, look, your story is about you, but it's for them. Mm -hmm. And that's what specifically 
is the one idea I want them to walk away with that they will take action on. I see too many speakers, David, throw so much out. It's like they're just throwing a bunch of ideas against the wall and hopefully one of them sticks. Now, pick one that's been powerful for you and then drive down deep on it with your stories, your research, all of your proof that this is a really good idea. And here's an idea that you should take to try to make it happen for you. Not being preachy, just, hey, here's it, it worked for me. I think it'll help you. Here's an idea. That's exactly what you have to do is, you know, that's great advice, but it's also great advice, not only for speakers, again, for everybody else. And I want to make sure that we, you know, all these things are pieces that you can use and could use in your life. Uh, You know, it's all about that, you know, a bunch of the R's that I, I like to use about, you know, really rising yourself and recalibrating and figuring out what's right for you and how you can hear it uh, and be re- retelling the same story, but finding the, the power within your story, you know, finding the power within from within. Well, that's a good point. And I started this business 11 years ago to help people become better speakers. And you know, these things evolve. Well, it's gotten to the point now where, yeah, I do speech consulting, story consulting, Where I'm really helping people, though, is to become more confident individuals. And you mentioned storytelling. I think the most important aspect of our day, every time we start it, is the story we're telling ourselves. Mm -hmm. You look at your phone, which I think most people do, we're immediately telling ourselves a story. Oh, this is going to be a great day. Oh, it's fantastic. Or, oh, no, no, look at that news. This is going to be a lousy day. Well, you've already put yourself in a hole and you haven't even gotten out of bed yet. So be cognizant of the story you're telling yourself every morning before you get out of bed. That sets the tone. I didn't start my business to share that kind of wisdom. But I've just noticed it over time that storytelling isn't just some cool thing we do in our communication, in our speeches or our leadership presentation. We're doing it all the time to be aware of them. Your stories will get better if you decide I'm going to tell myself a better story. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. And I've used that technique uh, lots of times as part of uh, my hypnosis that I, when I, when I work with people, I go, let's just sit down and talk about the challenges you go. And then we write a story uh, and, which has nothing to do with that su- subject. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, there was a woman who, who, who didn't feel strong. So eventually we just talked about a growing tree and she was like, what do we do here? I go, we just wrote a story. You know, I go, it was based on you. And I go, why don't you read it a couple of times? And a couple of weeks later, she called me up and said, I don't know what you did, but I, I, I feel stronger. I go, good. And then, you know, uh, and she knew what we were doing. It wasn't, I didn't put her under right. any trance uh, in, in that way. But I, I, I said, well, now your roots are grown and I hope you blossom as well as you could. And then she laughed. She was like, I see, I see what you did there. And I'm like, yeah, but you did it. I didn't do anything. Just that's with you what I love while. about that. She said, I love what you did. It wasn't you who did it. Correct. I, I will tell you so many times people will come back to me after a successful speak and speech. And it's all because of you. I said, no, it's not. I appreciate it. It's a nice compliment, but I can give you all the tools in the world. But if they stay on your bench and you don't use them, I've been useless to you. You have to do the work. And it's true in your, your world also, David, I know. 
but I, I appreciate it when people give the compliment, but it's them. That's another barrier they have to break through to, to stop giving other people credit for their work. Yeah, you know, that that's one of the things we, right, we, we're, we're taught to make sure you, you always say please and thank you, uh, but it's not all out of respect, and you always want to make sure. we got to sometimes give ourselves a pat on the back, and that's why I always talk about being grateful. And no matter what day, even on the worst days that you have, if you can find one thing to be grateful for, that becomes a real big, powerful piece because it, it, it shows possibilities. You know, when I use a Phoenix metaphor, the Phoenix doesn't die, which most people just go, oh, it dies and it comes back. That's the quick way of saying yes, but no. In all the stories, it actually is birthed from its own ashes. It's just yes. a process. It's that magic spark from wherever you want to believe, the universe or, or whatever, that turns it around. Same thing with in each one of us is that magic spark. That, that's one of the questions I always ask. Who here will tell me that they don't have a spark within themselves to light themselves up? And they all raise their hand. Yep. And who thinks that – I love doing these kind of questions with audiences. Raise your hand if you think you're creative. Yeah, a few hands go up. Uh, are you innovative? Are you a good speaker? Okay. Very few hands go up. I said, well, now let's go back in time. Let me take you back to a time when you were two years old, three years old, four. Did you have energy? Yep. Were you willing to talk? Yep. Talked a lot. Did, were you creative? Oh, I could turn a stick into anything. All right. So don't tell me you don't have any of those attributes. You've just buried them. Mm -hmm. right. Life buried them. Adults who, who met well or try to protect you buried it. You've got it in you. And I say the same thing about people when speaking. Look, we each have this problem as humans. And I'm, there's no scientific proof of this, David, but the act of speaking is in violation of what our DNA tells us is safe. Our earliest ancestors, in order to survive, long before we had weapons and tools, they had to stay in packs. The person who got separated from the pack was out alone, without a weapon, out in the open, and all these eyes of predators around them. They usually got eaten. Mm -hmm. What is public speaking? You're alone without a weapon, out in the open, and all these eyes are looking at you. So at some level, your brain is thinking, we're dead. We're not. But that's why we get nervous and scared. Fortunately, we have a higher brain that could come in and say, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. the people out in front of you, I just saw them. They were at the buffet line. They're not hungry. They're not here to eat you. What they do want to consume is your perspective on the topic. So let's go give them the best you've got. And there are exercises you can do also physically, but it, it's reminding yourself, no, they're not there to eat you. <laughs> that's a great way of looking at it. I'm going to, wow. <laughs> you know, but that, that is the real truth, right? So that, that's the thing that scares us the most is being out there by ourselves. Because if we speak one-on-one, -on -one, most people will go, no, one-on-one, -on -one, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Uh, secrets that I don't want to know. But, right. but it, it's that if I say, hey, could you stand up in front of me to do that? That automatically becomes, um, that's a hardwire thing, yeah. Um, but I think that, that's part of the problem we all have, right? I, I call it the ICTA disease, uh, which I know a lot of people do, which is, is I know that already. And I know, you know, you, you call it the curse of knowledge, uh, yes. You know, sometimes, you know, knowing everything is not 
a good thing. It's how you apply it, but also it holds you back. Absolutely. It, it, it's one of the worst conditions we can have as experts in our field because it's really difficult for us to unknow what we know. It's hard to imagine not knowing it. And that's why we uh, so often I hear speakers say things in their speeches. They, they are assuming the audience knows they don't. And, and then the, the connection's lost. Yeah. So one of the challenges I have for my clients is I want you to watch your video and as hard as this is, imagine you're sitting in the audience watching you and you have no idea what your topic is. And usually people can do it. It's hard at first because it's like you've got to think more with a critical ear and say, ooh, what does that really mean to the layman who doesn't know my topic? Right. And that's my job ultimately as a consultant or trainer is to sit in the audience, turn off everything I've just learned about this person through the coaching work together and say, all right, you just said something that if I'm in the audience, I don't know what that meant. We need to clarify it. That's another reason we need someone else to help us. Yeah, no, I- I- exactly. And, and, and we have to learn. So, you know, even going back to that point that you just made, uh, I guess we're hardwired to not be by ourselves. And, and not, you know, uh, in that in a pack, it doesn't have to be with a partner. You know, you could definitely be single and the world is fine with, if you're single. Uh, but, you know, there's still that group. You still we still eager, as we've definitely learned over the past two years, that we, we enjoy the community, uh, the clan uh, to, to be together and uh, yes. kind of make sure that, you know, they help us in, in the best supporting way. Uh, that's why it is it is helpful to be so connected with others around you and not in a way where sometimes in Facebook is guilty of it. You know, we all become clients of each other and, 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 and you just almost tune out everything versus saying, hey, I just want to have a conversation with you. How can I assist you? in a way that it doesn't necessarily have to assist me. It's how we grow together because I've always said, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You need to be in the room with among the smarter people or you could be among the smartest people, but you need to learn from everybody else. Yes. It makes me think too with the medium we're using here, the podcast, I think podcasts have become so popular because it enables us to be a part of a group of individuals who have the same interest. Mm-hmm. We can go, we can make comments, we can write to the podcast host, and we have that's a new type of group that we're in. Wasn't available 10 years ago. Shared interest. Yeah, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Uh, I, I didn't know where it was going to go for me, and uh, it's been fun. Uh, I, I enjoy it and uh, been blessed with having so many guests. And, and, you know, that's some that's work also. It's not been really blessed. Uh, you know, again, the law of attraction doesn't just – I didn't just sit here and go, okay, let me have all these episodes. Uh, right. You know, it, 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 it's, you know, reaching out to, you know, people who – I do feel fit into my, into my clan uh, like yourself. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Any success. And I learned this years ago, every success involves sacrifice of some kind. You've got these blocks of time all day long. And if you choose one activity, you're giving up all the others. And that's a constant fight we all have. And I tell this to people, if they truly want to become influential speakers, you're going to have to give up some time and activity 
because nothing will take the place of repetition, practice, rehearsal, feedback, adjustment, repeat the process over and over and over again. Yep. Wash, rinse and repeat. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you have a lot of tips. I, I know you, you have a, a plethora of, of tips and we're ra- we're going to try to ra- wrap up the, the, sure. the session. Um, and you've given us a lot of tips before we leave. Is there any, like I, I call them seeds. Is there anything you'd like to plant and uh, hopefully will grow in uh, people either immediately or down the road? Well, I'll give you a resource. If you're listening to this, feel free to sign up for what I call 52 storytelling insights. Just go to five, two storytelling insights.com. That'll it's yeah. I've got both actually it's 52 story insights or 52 storytelling. Either one will drive you to the, the uh, weekly tip. It's just a five minute audio lesson that comes to your email inbox, gives you some insight and one idea builds upon another over a year's time. Uh, but the biggest idea that I would leave you with is it's, it's wrapped around this idea that you cannot see the power in your own story. You have overcome challenges, difficulties that other people are right now going through. Mm-hmm. And our job as leaders and, and even community leaders, business leaders, speakers is to give people hope when they feel like they are up against it and they can't get past that next wall. Hearing your journey of having those same feelings, struggles, and emotions, but somehow finding a way over the wall, around the wall, through the wall, under it, that's all they need to know. Hey, I can keep pushing forward. I heard somebody on a TV show the other day, and this not the first time I'd heard this quote, when you're going through hell, keep walking. <laughs> yep. Sometimes we as speakers, leaders, presenters, will give them the hope on how to keep walking. Yeah, that that was a uh, Winston Churchill. I, I, I or at least, yeah. I, at least I, I've heard it quoted to, by right. him. I uh, didn't know him well enough, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, and that's really what it is. Is just keep doing it, and that would be the same thing with with speaking, speaking, or anything else we do in life. Is make sure you just keep doing it, uh, and then retool. Uh, you know, make sure if it's not working for you, bring on a mentor, bring on somebody, a friend. It doesn't have to be hiring somebody. It really is about learning as much as you can and getting that feedback. It is. And I love this quote from one of my fellow speakers. He said, work at this and be so good at your speech that yesterday's audience feels cheated by today's speech. Oh, that's awesome. That's Just keep all- working at it. They're, you're never going to get the, the final presentation, the final speech. They can always get a little bit better. That's true. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your time, for your oh, knowledge. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for and, having me. And, uh, you know, we, we hope I'll, I'll definitely put all the pieces in the so that way they can contact you. Uh, well, why don't you give us uh, your contact ver- verbally, and then I sure, know I'll, sure. I'll have uh, that as part of the notes as well. Yeah, go for the insights. You can reach me at mike at speakingcpr.com, and you can visit my website, speakingcpr.com. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, for everybody else, you know, make sure we always have peace and love. And we're wishing Mike peace and love as well. Uh, and, you know, when you need to bring a bat, remember nonviolence. It really is just to make sure that you hit your sweet spot. Hit it right on and knock it out of the park. Have a great day and thank you. I'm really glad that you're enjoying our show. 
Keith's Love and Bring a Bat is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by David Chemetsky and George Andriopoulos. Music selections by James Grant, Zach Nelson, and James Gaither, and licensed through Storyblock. Sound effects and sponsorship music licensed through Epidemic Sound. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is hosted with Podbean. Subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with all of your friends. Follow us on Facebook at Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Follow me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. You can find all those links and more info at davidshemetsky.com. For show ideas, feedback, guest inquiries, or just a chat, reach out to me at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. For sponsorship and media inquiries, reach out to peacelovebringabat at lp516.com. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Today's journey has come to a close, my friends. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember that peace and love surrounds you and will assist you to rise again. But don't forget to bring it back for what you believe in. Namaste. Namaste.